Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by Chip Zdarsky, writer extraordinaire, who has written the series Afterlift, a five-issue series originally released digitally as part of Comixology Originals, and now seeing trade release via Dark Horse Comics. So we're going to concentrate our conversation a little bit about this Eisner-winning work, Afterlift, but then of course we're going to want to talk about all the other stuff that you're doing, Chip, which I think is very exciting as well. you got a lot going on and a lot very recently announced that hopefully we can have a few moments to dig into. Um, but Afterlift, it's this narratively, it's a story about rideshare programs, you know, to the afterlife, right? Like it's a, like a Dante's Inferno, but with Uber. Um, but there's a lot more to it than that. What can you tell us about the genesis of Afterlift, kind of how this project came to be? And, uh, and, and I guess particularly too, like how you came to work with Jason Liu and the Comixology Originals program. Yeah, sure. Um, weirdly, Daredevil had a lot to do with this, the mm. origins of it. Um, uh, early on in the Daredevil run, uh, Marco and I, Marco the artist on Daredevil, were discussing color um, and how to portray Hell's Kitchen through color. And we, we had a bit of a disagreement uh, in the beginning because he really wanted uh, blue all the night shots were going to be blue. Hmm. And, uh, and I was like, no, cause that, that just makes it feel cold. It's hell's kitchen. It's got to feel hot. And so I, I, I told him like, we need to think about like Michael Mann, the director sure. and, and his movies. And, uh, uh, I had just watched heat, uh, in preparation for Daredevil, actually. Uh, hmm. but, but then I, I checked out collateral, which is the one with Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. And uh, and uh, for the color palette, because it's very orange and, and green, like there's a real heat uh, happening to the evening scenes. And so while I was watching it for color reference. Uh, I also just kind of took note of the story, which was amazing. And, uh, you know, Tom Cruise plays like basically an assassin who ends up uh, the passenger in Jamie Foxx's cab and holds yeah. him hostage through the night while he commits his atrocities. And uh, and I was like, oh, Tom Cruise is really playing him like he's the devil. And and this it, it kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be fun if it was actually like the devil? Sure. Uh, and uh, I'd also recently just been kind of going through old mythologies for other projects and uh, came across, you know, the classic River Styx, uh, Charon, uh, uh, crossing with, you know, the coins on the eyes, um, and uh, and I, I start to kind of marry those two together and, and thinking about what the, what the modern equivalent of that would be. Uh, uh, and it ended up being apps. Because the, the, the one thing we always think about, like, you know, ye olden times, uh, uh, you know, the, the idea of the coins and the eyes and stuff for the deceased loved ones um, feels very kind of, old and traditional but at the time it was modern like <laughs> right like that, sure that was their currency and so that's what they used and and so now it would be it would be apps and it would be you know uh venmoing <laughs> your your currency <laughs> to uh Charon as you cross the river so all that just start, kind of started to play out in my head and uh 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 once once i kind of realized i i had a story there and had some themes that i wanted to address uh, I reached out to Jason and Jason was an intern at my old studio, uh, way back in the day, like 2003. And he was like okay. super, super eager. And he was a great intern for the time that we had him there. And then, uh, he went off and did his own stuff. He did a comic called pitiful human lizard, which was just gorgeous. 
mm-hmm. and fun and funny and um, above all else, it came out, which is usually the the failings of most <laughs> comic <laughs> writers and artists. Sure. They'll get like one issue out, and then that's it. Uh, whereas uh, Jason like continually put them out while holding down a full time job and. Um, that kind of perseverance like really speaks to me. And, uh, and so I approached him about this and, uh, and, uh, off we went and he's, he's amazing. Like, because his story revolves around cars and like, yeah. that was my first thing I said to him. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but it's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of cars in here because most comic artists don't like to draw cars mm-hmm. unless you're like Sean Gordon Murphy or something. Um, and uh, and Jason was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I don't particularly enjoy cars, but I'll, I'll do some practice. <laughs> and like, he started to do practice sketches, and he sent them to me. I'm like, oh, those are pretty good. And then within like a couple of weeks, they were amazing. Like he yeah. just leveled up quickly, and it made me, as a writer, I loved it. As an artist, I was so mad, <laughs> like that he could just do that so easily. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Did you so like? There's a yeah. There is a, a very car focused nature because there you know our main character Janice right is is you know an Uber Lyft driver rideshare driver, and uh, and there's a lot of car chases that goes on like especially in the first issue. Is that something that you and Jason like? Were you like watching certain like you mentioned you know the heat reference? Was there like a a car chase study or was that kind of a thing where you would like script in car chase here? Like how how collaborative and how kind of intense was like making the car chase action happen? between the two of you. Um, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing. The first time you work with an artist, you tend to be a bit more specific than you normally would. Sure. Just because you don't, you don't really know um, uh, how they're going to be in a collaboration and uh, if you guys are going to be on the same page. So I, I scripted it pretty tightly. Uh, and I didn't really do, do a lot of like car chase uh, research for it. Mostly because I knew the cars would be doing things that cars normally don't do. Sure. Yeah. Like driving up sides of buildings and things like that. But I it's guess more, uh, it's more Spider Mobile than than standard action movie, right? In some ways. Well, I mean, uh, it's more like the later Fast and Furious instead of the early okay. Fast and Furious, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which are essentially superhero movies at this point. Yeah, for um, sure. So yeah, it, it's it, it it is interesting because I've I've only done a few kind of like car chase sequences in comics. And um, you know they can sometimes feel a little boring on the page mm-hmm. uh, because there isn't that emotion. But uh, but yeah yeah with this yeah Jason just knocked it out of the park. It was amazing. Yeah no it's it's a really exciting fun book. It is car chases are a tricky thing in comics to pull off because right there just doesn't have the same energy necessarily that you're going to get in film. Um, but this this bring and then you bring in the supernatural elements which I think help a lot uh, in terms of selling like, oh, okay, this is something that kind of only comics can do uh, in this way. It, I was impressed too, like in Afterlift, you have a fairly built out kind of cosmology, um, like, and you're asking these really big questions. So like it starts off with this hook of, okay, the the modernization of, you know, this this journey into hell, right? And, and kind of what's revealed early. And I probably should have said this up top, you know, the assumption here is like, we are going to talk about this work for people who have read it. So there may be some spoilers that follow. Highly recommend people check it out. Uh, in full before the conversation, but you're asking questions about like which religion is right, you know, like and there's a convergence, ultimately looking at like how heaven and nirvana and sort of different takes on various like world religions. How you mentioned like you were digging into mythologies for for other projects. Uh, I'm curious, how did you establish like the various religious elements that you wanted to be included, and like what I guess in terms of that research into mythologies, what was it that you were 
digging into that then kind of got pulled into this work because there are there is some really there's a clear pov i think on like like this is what religion it's a very hard question but it's like this is kind of what religion in this world means to these people yeah that was actually that was the trickiest part of the project really that kind of required um a fair amount of lead time to do the research like originally i just kind of i I went deep researching uh basically every religion's uh idea of the afterlife Mm -hmm. um not just modern religions but kind of going back in time uh to to see you know what parts i was going to pull which uh, which parts i was going to highlight and it kind of during that process you kind of realize okay well there's a lot and uh uh you can't say that one is right or one is wrong, obviously. Um, so kind of coming to the conclusion that it's a personal journey and the afterlife is whatever your belief system lines up to be with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemed like, seemed like the best way to kind of tackle something like this. Um, and, and there, there, there are little bits I would pull from other places like, you know, towards the end or actually at, at the beginning as well. We talk about the silver cord that kind of yeah. tethers your soul to the world, um, and and that's that's across a few different religions, um, not necessarily Christianity, but it was it was too good of a hook to not kind of incorporate that into the overall story because mm-hmm. I kind of knew where that could lead us. Um, so yeah, that was that was a bit of a, a tightrope walk to make sure because you don't want to offend people. I mean, there's. There's a general offense being given by saying that everyone is right. If you're uh, very dogmatic <laughs> sure. about your religion, yeah. then you're like, well, that's that's bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> mine is right. Yeah. Everyone else is wrong. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, my uh, my family has some uh, Catholicism in it, and you know, I went to Catholic school for a year, and uh, 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 I kind of I leaned uh, heavily onto that, especially when we you know talk about purgatory and um, the kind of the overarching themes of guilt uh, yeah. and what you deserve. Um, uh, that 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 made its way in pretty heavily. Yeah, for sure. No, it, it tackles those questions I think pretty effectively. I mean, it's for me, it's a more compassionate worldview. I think ultimately, you know, kind of that sense of like empathy towards yeah, with if you grow up under a different religion and that's the cultural norm uh that is that is your truth right that is what's right to you but like you said you are inevitably like there's no there's no possible way to do a story with uh heaven and hell and satan showing up that isn't going to offend some groups that are very very you know no there's one answer and and this is right but personally i do quite appreciate that um i mean ultimately i'm writing fiction and yeah you know people have to at least uh acknowledge that part like i'm not putting up my version of my bible um so i think i think that makes it an easier pill to swallow no matter what your belief system is like oh okay well like you know the fact that it's a comic book also makes it a bit easier for people to to swallow that pill too Mm -hmm. because that Mm -hmm. makes it even more fictional than fiction because it's yeah cartooned (laughs) weirdly yeah it's funny. I was I was just um, I'm actually interviewing uh, Ryan North, another comics writer, uh, later today, and awesome. I was re- yeah, and I was which I highly recommend. No one ever schedule two interviews on the same day with. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a lot of prep work. Um, but Ryan I, is also the nicest man in comics, so it's going to be fine no matter what. 
Yeah, no, I hope so. I'm not, I'm not too nervous about that. Um, but I was reading Slaughterhouse Five, and he, I was listening to an interview, and he was kind of talking about when they're doing um, the the Kilgore Trout comics. In that, it was basically like comics as the medium that's like even lower in the cultural consciousness than like the pulp novels that Vonnegut writes Kilgore Trout doing, and it it is that thing where like. You almost you almost get a pass in comics, it, unfairly or not. Obviously, as someone who reads a ton of them, like I know there's good big ideas, but there is that potential. Like, yeah, you can kind of talk about these things uh, in a way that people maybe don't take as seriously, uh, for better and for worse. Uh, did you ever hesitate? To... As a as a side, yeah, yeah. As a side note, um, how good is that adaptation, Slaughterhouse Five? Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing. It's One so of my favorite good. comics of 2020, and I went into it like. I was I was kind of resistant. Yeah, you kind of have to book. back up a bit because it's you know it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I totally get it. And like I knew Ryan was working on it. I'm like, oh, okay, good luck with that. And then he he sent me the advanced PDF before it came out, and I read yeah. it one night, and I couldn't sleep because I I just kept tossing and turning, thinking about how he did it. Yeah, like it's yeah. so masterfully done, and it uh, uses the best parts of uh, the comic book language. Um, it makes oh, yeah. it feel like a fully new fully realized thing it's uh yeah if it doesn't win the eisner for adaptation this year uh i'm gonna be pretty angry i think <laughs> yeah no it's it's got to be a front runner it's it's incredible work yeah. um and just yeah that that skill to adapt something that feels so natural to another medium uh, i think is such a, a hard skill to pull off as opposed to just like well here's the story and you know you kind of know it from the book and we're going to retell it but like it feels like its own thing which is yeah so daunting something else yeah have you ever have you ever considered or kind of been approached with like heavy adaptation work? I, I feel like it's a very unique focus to want to do that necessarily. Yeah, I don't. There's not a lot of that in comics. Um, not really. Sometimes it feels like the Marvel DC stuff is a little bit of adaptation. Mm. You know, even even in my Daredevil run, like I'm, I'm kind of adapting a lot of previous Daredevil stuff and yeah. you know, adding my own uh, spin to it. Um, I briefly considered adapting my own Daredevil comic into novel form because it, it, only because it feels like it's weird to work on a book that is inaccessible to the blind that okay. features a yeah. blind character. Yeah. And like, th- there are such things as like, you know, descriptive comics, but it just doesn't work. And I think I need to translate it to novel and then mm. make an audio version of that. Right. Yeah. Um, an extra step in there. So, uh, if I had more time, I'd, I'd, I'd tackle it, but, uh, yeah, it's too much. <laughs> that is, I like that idea. Yeah. I'm sure it would be massively time consuming. Um, it, it's kind of, I don't know, there's that potential too, for like, they're doing more narrative fiction podcast kind of stuff. Like I know they did some, like Ben Percy wrote some of those cool Wolverine hmm. podcasts that Marvel did. I, I feel like Daredevil for that, which is a reason I had not considered, but man, does that make sense that like, yeah, it's not, it's not accessible to, to no, the actual. It, it's, it's weird. Cause it's one of the only, you know, uh, forms of media that really isn't accessible because mm-hmm. uh, um, you know uh, you can do you can do you know audio versions of of so many things but like yeah yeah somehow comics it just doesn't doesn't translate very well when you try to try to make a an audio version of it you know yeah no it's a tricky one that is a tricky one. that's that's an interesting consideration i would love to see marvel push forward on that a little bit obviously with all the weight that they have um before we so actually i guess let's let's tie into daredevil a little bit because there are like so, afterlife does afterlift. Excuse me, is asking these big questions about religion. You know that we kind of talked about, and then Daredevil, you're doing some similar things, right? Like the, it's very much about personal paths through religion. That's always kind of a core part of Matt Murdock's journey. Um, but your your version, like you said, like you're taking 
you're taking things that have been laid out before, but you're also putting your own spin on it. And Daredevil's really kind of coming to an understanding of like, I've seen in the last several issues, the most recent ones, a lot of times he's repeating the refrain of like, this is God's plan for me. This is God's path for me. Like he's very comfortable now after 20 some issues in like kind of the religious elements of this um not to mention the overwhelming presence of guilt right in both afterlift but i I think is portrayed subtly and very smartly you know just the way that guilt can feel like janice's guilt is this thing where it's like i don't even know that what she did is uh, is that bad but for her it's like this is the thing that sends me to hell you know almost that mentality which i think is if you grew up with Catholicism or just Christian guilt or whatever your religion is, right? It's a heavy thing. Matt has a ton of that. I'm, are you aware of like thematic through lines as you're working on multiple projects? And like, is that something you kind of coordinate or try to keep separate? How do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, I think every writer has a different approach to it. Um, for me, it's part of the pitch. Like the, the themes have to kind of be a part of the pitch or else you yeah. don't really have a handle on where you want to take the characters. You know, there's plot stuff, but... Um, but but what's the character going to grow into by the end of this is mm-hmm. is a is a huge question. Um, yeah, because I mean, something like Afterlift, like it could just be a car chase, and they could just get away, and that could be the story, and it would mm-hmm. be fine. But um, without the added element of the question of who deserves to go to hell, yeah, and it, yeah. It, you know, the the thought I had while I was writing it was like the people who uh, think that they. Uh, shouldn't go to hell are probably the ones that should uh-huh. like because they're uh-huh. they're the ones that are just like actually doing it, no wrong things and feeling no guilt over them mm-hmm. um, whereas the people who you know feel the most guilt um probably haven't done things that are wrong enough to be considered you know mortal sins mm-hmm. uh, yeah that, that that's got to be a part of it uh, for sure and and with daredevil um absolutely like there's so many contradictions in that character that uh, uh, the themes present themselves pretty readily, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's, no, for sure. He's the lawyer who goes out and breaks the law. He's a man of God who beats people up, you know? He's the Catholic who dresses like the devil. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's so much there to uh, to work with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's interesting. So with Afterlift, uh, it ends on a setup, and I won't totally spoiled the ending but it ends on a cliffhanger right there's there's a tease uh is there a consideration for more potentially or plans to return to that world because i another thing i realized is like there's a lot of story that doesn't because there's an assumption there's sort of an implication here that like janice is not the first of these of these drivers there have been drivers like this mm-hmm. throughout ages like is there any intent to go back or is it something where you're like i feel like we told our story like we're, we're good it's, here it's funny i've heard that from a couple of people that they feel like that's a bit of a cliffhanger but for me, it's an ending. Like that uh-huh. feels like, and like the 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 story ends, but the characters go on. You know, sure. Because um, most stories don't end with everyone just like dying, and that's it. You know, <laughs> right? Fully there, there's, yeah. there's an end, and then the characters live their lives. And uh, I, I feel like, yeah, yeah. It felt to me when I was doing it that like, oh, that's a good final image, a final piece for that story. Um, but it, it's it's weird because like the. the the book's done well. Comicsology is really happy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the print edition uh, coming out, the Eisner and Schuster Award, like all this stuff kind of contributes to the idea that, oh, maybe we should do a sequel. <laughs> but, yeah, sure. um, but part of the joy of this for me, having been doing a lot of Marvel and, and some DC work, is that it's so satisfying to have a story that has a, a beginning, middle, and an end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and being able to walk away from it. Um, 
you know, I, I've said before that um, Matt Fraction uh, always always tells me that writing for Marvel and DC is writing a continual second act. Mm. Like you don't you don't start it off, you don't end it off, but you're always kind of like ramping it up and ramping it up, uh, and then you pass it on to another writer who kind of keeps continuing along the same lines. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know you get used to writing that way. But with Afterlift, it's like, oh, okay, I've got to create everything up, pull off, and a satisfying arc to the characters, and uh, hopefully a satisfying ending as well. And uh, yeah, that, that was it was a it was a challenge after having done a lot of Marvel DC stuff, uh, but uh, but ultimately rewarding. Like it feels so good to have that that book in my hands now, and being like, oh yeah, this is a book I can hand to somebody. And go, here's the story. Yeah. Instead of here's you know, volume zero of Howard the Duck or volume three. And <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> right. you know, maybe you need to read the stuff before. I don't know. Sure, sure. No, I hear that. That's interesting. Um, would you say that kind of that mentality? Is that something you bring to like your your independent stuff now, like Stillwater, where you're like, do you go into it with like, I kind of know how this ends and I'm just building to that point, you know, like you're definitely you have a a thoroughly structured sort of here's where we're going, even if maybe there's room for flexibility to get there. Yeah, yeah, with Stillwater, I have an ending, uh, which is nice because uh, uh, I can I can always be building towards it. Mm-hmm. But at least with Stillwater, it's an ending that could also be the end of, uh, of the, the first novel of it, right? And you can mm-hmm. there's a possibility of going beyond it because it's still technically you know a serialized a book that I also don't own. So if uh, you know. God forbid I had a falling out or whatever <laughs> with Skybound. Yeah. Somebody else could end up writing it and continue the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah, with the independent stuff, I would say Stillwater, I have an ending in mind. Um, I did White Trees with uh, Chris Anka, Matt Wilson yeah. for Image, and um, that's more of an exercise in, oh, okay, here's our first little story. Mm-hmm in this world and you know we're, we're you know talking about doing another one and we're like oh that will be this little story and there'll be this little story in this world and you know there'll be connective tissue there but we don't have an ending for that that's just yeah. like us having fun um which i think is also important to have those kind of projects yeah for sure no and it seems like you've picked up a handful coming this this year with like you're you're doing uh, recent announcements there's you're kicking off it looks like kind of a new take on Marvel's What Ifs with this miniseries, um, the Spider Shadow stuff, which I'm really yeah. looking forward to, and then there's there's a horror anthology. Was yeah. it Silver Coins, which looks mm-hmm. really cool? Um, is that something where when you're taking on projects because there's Black Hammer stuff? Like, what is your is your interest just kind of like it, with some of those things? Like, hey, I can tell a one and done kind of story and just like do my piece and get out, as opposed to constantly building up like all these long ongoing things. Is there an appeal there for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean. I don't think I could do more than a couple of ongoing books at the same time. Yeah. Um, it, it sits in your head a lot and takes up a lot of your time, mental energy. Um, the silver coin came about because Michael Walsh, the artist has had this amazing idea. Like I'm going to do an anthology where I draw a reissue, you know, which is the reverse of how those kind of projects usually go where it's like one. Yeah, writer, yeah. And, uh, and, and, the premise was so intriguing. I'm just like, oh yeah, why wouldn't I do that? Like it's one mm-hmm. one issue. I get to you know dabble with some more horror, and uh, and and also you know to be associated with the, the other writers as well is is pretty cool. Yeah, so the, those are the easy ones to say yes to. The problem is sometimes 
because they are so easy to say yes to. You say yes to too many of them. (laughs) (laughs) It might as well be an ongoing series. Um, Spider Shadow was, it was a long time coming because that was, God, two, three years ago I was in New York and and had meetings with Marvel where um, they had pitched me to start a new What If series. Hmm. And uh, and I said no because... um, uh, you sometimes get gems with the the what if titles over the years, but for sure. the most part, the 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 kind of done in one is just so plot exposition heavy to catch yeah. the reader up, and then this happened, this happened, this happened. Yeah, that to do them as one issue just uh, doesn't uh, work. I don't think, uh, especially now. And so I, I said I, I would do it if we could do them as like three, four issue kind of bigger, grander stories where you can kind of get into more detail. Yeah. Also, that you don't call them what if. <laughs> because it, 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 my, my example of them was like, what would sell better? Uh, the book called What If the Marvel Universe Became Zombies mm-hmm. or the book Marvel Zombies. Yeah, right. What, and, what, and we you, have data on that one. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have very hard data on that. <laughs> like, like the idea of having a proper book title for these. Uh, uh, because it's easier to recommend to people. It's easier to look at it on a shelf and go, oh, what's this? Instead of a book that just says, like, what if, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so that was part of my pitch as well. Uh, you know, this is hopefully the first in a, a line of books that Marvel can do like this, which uh, kind of play around with continuity and alternate universes, things like that. Yeah. Um, it's, with kind of like a what if banner on it and uh, in some way yeah i i really like the idea honestly because i've had similar concerns and kind of problems with the what if one shot approach where it is like they all they all have to move a little too fast and have to explain a little too much to be a satisfying package i mean especially when you read those original ones you know it's like it's like so much exposition and then just like five pages of everything going as wrong as possible you know and like a very depressing ending typically um i'm excited it's going to be a limited series where you get a little more space to play with it i I'm wondering, though, like, so you did Spider-Man Life Story, which definitely has like a what if kind of alt alt universe feel to it. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you think is the upside of Spider's Shadow in terms of like, I have more to say about this particular era? Like, what was the selling point for you where you're like, I feel like I didn't cover something in Spider-Man's Life Story that now I want to do in this one? Yeah, I mean, that was my era. Like that's where I really got into comics. And, yeah, you know, I can see Secret Wars stuff on the. You that's know, right. The, uh, that's uh, Secret Wars eight behind me there on the wall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like my Secret Wars issue seven was my first Marvel comic. Oh, really? Interesting. That really got me into it. So like this, that era is uh, totally my jam, and uh, and yeah, like what interested me about this was just kind of exploring. Um, kind of what happens when you know the great power, great responsibility stuff goes out the window. Mm. Uh, 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 much like life story is a puzzle that I enjoy kind of putting together like taking all the pieces from the the books in the 80s and kind of seeing like oh this happens and this happens and this happens and maybe this happens and like how do you surprise a reader how do you and and still play tight enough with the continuity of the time to make it work Uh, yeah I I like the challenge and, and knowing that I could you know not as similar to Afterlife but being able to tell kind of a full story in that format that you could just kind of go into cold and, and get it right away. That's sure. That's satisfying. Yeah. And I think that'll be one of the coolest things about this. What if line potentially is like, it does offer, like you said, kind of that DC has their else worlds and maybe not mm-hmm. black label, right? Just like 
hey, we're just going to tell a story. Don't worry about the continuity part of it. Let's dig in. You know Spider-Man. You know Venom. Let's roll. Um, I think that could be appealing to like a much wider audience, which will be cool. Uh, yeah. So there, there was also like when I originally pitched it, like I had a list of like like you know ten different kind of what if stories that we could do. Yeah. Um, and some of them, some of them aren't just a matter of like uh, you know what if this happened. Some of them are just like transplanting things into different time periods or different kind of realities and mm. uh, kind of going beyond the standard what if model. Uh, we started with the Spider-Man Venom one because frankly, Spider-Man is Marvel's flagship character and it's probably a smart idea to start with a, a proper <laughs> Spider-Man story. Yeah. And coming off of life story, people uh, seem to like that. So um, commercially, uh, it also made some sense to Marvel, I think, to pick that one. Yeah. Do you have some involvement beyond this project as, as far as this sort of line or like the what if series? Um, I, I, yes. Um, I've, I've made suggestions for uh, possible stories, possible writers and artists. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I've said, you know, I'll contribute as much as I can to it. I've, you know, I designed the logo uh, and it wa- I want to kind of design the trade dress for all of them to kind of make them feel um, like their own thing. Like, you know, on Life Story, I was able to do the covers and the, the logo and things like that, which uh, uh, I really enjoy doing. And on the trade especially, because that's the thing that's going to live forever. Mm-hmm. So I really want to make sure that that looks like a book that people want to pick up forever and not just like, oh, yeah, I remember that from 2018 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. No, cool, interesting. Okay, so the headline chip king of new what if line is is in a way <laughs> nope. <laughs> accurate no okay no i won't be right yeah. that uh cool no i'm excited to hear that like that that has like a, a legacy beyond this though as opposed to just kind of a one-off thing i think that'll be exciting for a lot of fans um, these are my assumptions too i'm not privy to everything that happens at marvel like sure, uh, sure. i know is my yeah, no my previous conversations with the editor will boss and and cb and um but but plans can change <laughs> sounds good sounds good yeah. uh just to kind of like tie it off here so um as far as your ongoing work with daredevil uh i heard there was an interview you did i think came out this week actually on marvel's pull list it was a really fun conversation mm-hmm. around um some anasenti and john romita jr comics that you guys talked about you excellent picks by the way like those were super fun Comics, we do um, on Comic Carol, we have a reading club called My Marvelous Year. We kind of go chronologically through year by year. And the, the Anna Senti, John Romina Jr. era has been like a fan favorite. We actually got to have Anne on to talk to her for an interview, which was oh, extremely awesome. exciting. Yeah, it was yeah. like, that was yeah. an absolute highlight. Um, and I loved your picks. That that Daredevil Mephisto uh, Christmas like bar <laughs> conversation is, yeah. is an all timer. <laughs> Um, is that a run that you, you mentioned, you know, Secret Wars being your first comic, is that a run that you sort of grew up on for Daredevil? Uh, or is it something that you revisited uh, later into your, you know, comics journey? No, I mean, it's part of my kind of youth, like, you know, talking about the Secret Wars books, you know, getting into those, I was probably like nine, ten, uh, around that, that age. And the, the Nascenti, Ramita Jr., Daredevil was kind of hit at the perfect time, because I was like... 13 14 like kind of a teenager like starting to understand some of the stuff that she's talking about there yeah yeah whether it's about you know factory farming or uh um the fragile male ego feminism like yeah uh, it it felt very adult um but just filtered through the the kind of cartoonish lens of these heroes and villains right right Uh, yeah I, i i love i love that run so much yeah. Oh, it's super fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And just and kind of the thing you talk about there, too, is just like some of the stuff it kind of had the confidence to get away with, you know, like bringing in 
literal demons and literal devils, you know, not just through like Inferno tie-ins where obviously there notoriously is the vacuum cleaner fight that everybody loves to talk about. Um, but just like then actually going full on like Blackheart and, and Mephisto and all that stuff is, is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting time for that title because, um, Anne took over basically after Frank Miller. Yeah. And right. Like, that's like, what an act to have to follow. And <laughs> Yeah, um, she had a few things going for her. One was just that expectations are low after that, mm-hmm. um, and also um, she didn't have a long history with comics leading into that, either mm-hmm. as a consumer of them or uh, as a writer. Um, and and so you you just kind of left to do the fun things, right? Like yeah. try new things with it, and 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 those are all have always been the most interesting projects from Marvel. Where it's kind of like, we got nothing else to lose. Let's have Hawkeye just live in an apartment building. Right, right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, those tend to work quite well. Is Are those shadows and kind of like legacies that you feel writing Daredevil even now? You know, because like, it's such a legacy. I, I think pound for pound, most people are coming to the realization or have already realized that like, Daredevil has just these incredible runs throughout the character's history, right? It's become kind of a playground for like really creator-defined stuff. Whether you're looking yeah. at Miller and Ascenti, Bendis, Brubaker, Wade, like, a, and obviously lots of others. Um, is that something where you you mentioned you know you're you're playing with the legacy, but at the same time you want it to have your own stamp? Do you have to like work around like, hey, didn't didn't you know Bendis already do this thing? Like, I want to avoid that, or like, how do you how do you kind of play with that legacy and history of the character? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Daredevil is definitely. When I when I was doing Spider Man, I was never intimidated. Mm. Um, you know, there are great runs in, in Spider Man, but you know, I'm working on spectacular Spider Man. Like, you just kind of have fun with it. Um, Daredevil is the only book where I've been intimidated because the runs on it have been, you know, mm-hmm. pretty legendary. Um, uh, so, so that was kind of in my head going in. There's also the recognition that like so many things have all been done before that character yeah. that um, inevitably you're going to kind of you're going to have to put the character in a situation that maybe they've been in before. And the the question is, how do you make it different? Like mm-hmm. as an example, like, you know, Brew Baker, uh, having him in prison. Mm-hmm. I, my storyline dictated that he's got to go to prison. So mm-hmm. that was, that was a, that was a hard one to get over in my head because I'm like, okay, well now there's going to be a direct comparison to that. Yeah. How is this going to be different? And it has to be radically different. So, uh, people can be like, you know, because of course people are going to be like, huh, prison again, even though it was like, you know, <laughs> 15 years ago or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I, I had to I had to really make it different so they can be surprised as readers. So you, you have to take the legacies to account, um, knowing that some of the readers have been reading it for that long. But uh, but you also can't let it cripple you. You can't be like, oh, I can't have Daredevil like, you know fall from grace because he's fallen from grace too many times like, you just have <laughs> yeah. to figure out what the uh what that fall from grace looks like and uh, how is it different and and again going back to afterlift you know what are you trying to say here with the characters right that's right. different cool yeah. very cool no i think daredevil has been incredibly successful so far it's definitely been one of my favorite comics coming out over the last Thank couple you. of years so yeah absolutely um and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to where you take it from here i particularly was blown away by the uh, the annual that oh, you all did with cool. the focus on on Mike Murdoch. Like that story <laughs> is so cool and so interesting. Um, and yeah. just like stylistically and structurally, I was like, oh, this is so 
it, it's got just that clever feel to it where like you, you know, just the beats, the repeating refrains and, and just the visual component of like how the panels overlay. Was that a was that a like a trick or a kind of a, a twist you were sitting on for a while? Uh, or was that something that came to you as you were working on it? Um, it wasn't right from the get go. Like I knew uh, from Charles Soul's run, uh, the Mike Murdoch stuff was way too fun to not play with. Like I yeah. knew that was going to come up at some point, um, but it was a few issues in before I kind of actually realized what I should do with the character. Um, yeah, it was hard because like I, I knew to tell that story would take a couple of issues, maybe three issues. Yeah, and you just can't really do that in the middle of this run. So I convinced Marvel to make it like a special. Like let's yeah. do it as a special. Yeah. They made it an annual. I'm like, oh man, like people are just gonna like be like an annual. I don't need that. So I really had to stress that no, oh, this is really important. Yeah, <laughs> which is hard. Um, and you know that was partly why I I titled the book One More Day just so I could like kind of play with the readers a little bit and be like, hey, remember that old Spider-Man story One More Day? Get some attention. Yeah. 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 Kind of get bring some attention to the book, but. Um, yeah, I was I was grateful that they let me do it because that was also a concern. Like, oh, we're going to do a Daredevil annual where like Daredevil shows up for one panel, yeah, <laughs> or just yeah. at the end. Like, um, that that was a hard one to to convince them of. Interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm 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 glad they they agreed to it. Like, at some point, you kind of build a little bit of trust. You know, like all the fights I had, kind of at the beginning of the run. Um, I I don't tend to have those as much now because the run's doing well enough. Mm. In the various forms that uh, Marvel's just like, okay, yeah, we we trust you now, because they're protective of the characters. Yeah. Uh, also, when I started, there was a Netflix show. <laughs> was it was it season three coming out when you started? Season three hadn't come out yet. Um, uh, so you know, I, I got to meet like the you know the showrunner and stuff at one of the sure, retreats, yeah. and it was the, the the feeling in the back of my head like, oh, there's eyes on this. Like when I first submitted the pitch, like yeah. it had to go through a lot more levels and say star lord or howard the duck would have to go through yeah and uh and i knew it was because of the netflix show but weirdly the cancellation of the netflix show probably uh helped me as a creator because oh. there's less pressure from above as to what's happening yeah. in, in the comic well they, they take away some mat and they give us uh, a new outstanding run i would say yeah, yeah i guess hey. that works out because yeah that that's really interesting um what what were some of the i mean obviously there's only certain things you can say but like what were some of the bigger concerns about the way you wanted to start the run? Like what, I guess like just taking Matt out of the costume or like what was the, the general the, concern, the length of him out of the costume and, yeah. you know, having, having issues kind of dedicated to like, you know, no superheroes and like big discussions and, uh, um, you know, <laughs> oh, and, <yeah. laughs> and, and, and maybe, maybe we've, you know, maybe we've pushed it too far with this, with this, with the death that kind of, um, starts it off. One mm. of one of the one of the the big things was um, there was a pushback on having Spider Man show up in issue five, like the scene with him confronting yeah. that. Um, there, there, there's some definite pushback on on that front, partly because like Spider Man's like again their flagship character and kind yeah. of bringing him into this like darker story. I think uh, people have some issue with and maybe his hardline stance on it. But mm. you know, I. I I basically just said like, look, I've got plans for how that that pays off in like issue twenty three or whatever. But yeah, yeah, uh, uh, he's the moral center of the Marvel universe, and so um, if there's a moral issue that's happening in the Marvel universe, he has to be the one that comes in and goes, "This is right or this is wrong." Yeah, 
uh, it felt important to me. And I said, like, let me write the scene. If you have problems with it, then I'll uh, I'll scrap it or I'll change it to something else. Um, but but again, like when, once they saw what I was doing, um, and that there was a little bit of heat there with with the series, they were like, okay, we trust you. Keep keep on keeping on. Nice, nice. Which oh, is good, cool. and I think yeah. you need that because I think I think you need those kind of notes from higher up to challenge you a bit and to make you justify what you're doing. Because sometimes, mm. as a creator, you'll just be like, "I'm going to do this because it's cool," and then yeah. the editor's like, well, "You're changing this radically. It, justify it yeah. to us. And justify it to the reader." And it's like, "Oh, okay, all right. I have to I have to work backwards a little bit and kind of figure out, you know, hey, yeah, this is cool, but why is it cool, and what?" What are we hoping to gain from this this change? Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, it's, that's an interesting conversation. I, I think definitely like the Spider-Man pieces of it have worked quite well. I definitely, when I read it initially, think it works. And, and now, like you just mentioned, there are these moments where it's really paid off. I think mm-hmm. kind of where the storyline is now, um, you know, you got to have this really and, and it, just tying into like the legacy of these characters relationship in a way that's it's all kind of come full circle now where we are without again without really spoiling what's going on in the story there um cool no that's awesome so what we kind of talked about a little bit but like what's up next for you that you're excited about like what are the things that you want to plug um that people should know about it's crazy like uh i've been working on so many different things over the past couple of years and they're all being announced like back to back yeah it was, a, it was a ton when i was getting ready for this i was like oh man it's like four different announcements like yesterday <laughs> i know and there's like three more to come i think in the next week or two. Well, that's exciting. Uh, yeah. That are also, you know, pretty fun and exciting. Um, the, the, the Batman red hood story I'm doing for DC has been great. Cause yeah. that's my first time really getting to write Batman as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I drew him in our, uh, De- detective comics anthology, uh, yeah. yeah. Over the past year. But, um, yeah, getting, getting, getting to write Batman and, and kind of figuring out your take on that character is uh, is a hell of a lot of fun because that's like that's the dream character right there. Sure, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have any like challenge in terms of separating Batman versus Daredevil elements? I know like for obviously for like some fans it's like oh there's there's a lot of overlap or is that something for you that was fairly easy because Batman is just this institution and this like you know kind of dream for a lot of creators. Yeah, I mean Daredevil's a fuck up. Yeah, like that's 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 the big difference there. A lot of people are like oh the difference is Batman has money. Like no, the difference is. Batman is highly competent and Daredevil. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Right. And, you know, where, where Batman falls down is like, uh, emotionally, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Daredevil's the one that's like, you know, crying and trying to figure himself out. And like, what does it all mean? And Batman's mm-hmm. Batman knows what it all means and he knows what he's doing. Um, the, the one thing I've enjoyed, you know, we are getting some art in from issue two right now and, um, playing Batman up is terrifying. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the one thing like Daredevil could be terrifying, but we don't really play with that element as much. But Batman is just like designed to be terrifying and right. uh, writing him that way has been great. Cool. Cool. Awesome. All right. People should definitely look for that. Um, I'm excited for more of that series. Uh, final question I like to ask people is what are you reading? Are there any comics or non-comic stuff that you uh, have? If, if you have time to read these days <laughs> with all these projects uh, that you would like to like to share? Um. <laughs> god everything i'm reading is mostly just for work so it's kind of hard yeah. to say because also if i say what i'm reading it kind of gives away what i'm working on yes yeah, so uh, what are what are all your reference materials for yeah. <laughs> secret projects you know I've, I've been uh i've been mostly in novels lately um uh with john lacar dying i read one of his and uh yeah that kind of sent me down a hole and um uh jenny awful 
Uh, she wrote a book called Weather uh, mm-hmm. that came up last year, I think, and it's it's unbelievable and it's so good and um, so perfectly structured. And I kind of went back and, and read her previous novels too. They're they're quick reads. Uh, Department of Speculation is is kind of her big one. Mm. Uh, I, I I actually really recommend it to comic book writers because she's really good at. Um, uh, she writes a paragraph as a scene, like it's the whole scene is a paragraph, and then there's mm-hmm. another scene, and there's another scene. Like she doesn't dwell, uh, dwell a lot, yeah, on on a particular scene, um, which is, is pretty, you know, transferable to comic book writing. Uh, yeah. Besides that, there's uh, um, not comics except for the research stuff. Which sure. is a, you know a little a little unfortunate. I've been you know I've been keeping up with the X Men stuff because I think you know the era of Hickman is pretty fucking awesome. It's, it's and, very uh, awesome. Yeah, it's one of those agree. things like you know I, I've been hearing about it since he first pitched it in the room. It was the best pitch I've ever heard, and like yeah. seeing seeing it come to fruition on such a level as it has, like X of Swords was uh, awesome. Yeah, and uh, and what they have coming up is awesome as well. Like, you know, I've been, I've been privileged enough to kind of just touch some of the stuff with the X-Men fantastic forum mini. Right. right. Um, and so I, I feel a little, I feel a lot of kinship to that group and seeing what they've got coming up is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. No, I'm, I'm obsessed with all of those books. Um, I really dug the, the fantastic Four mini as well. I, Thanks. your, your Dr. Doom is a, is a favorite of mine from Marvel two and one through that series. So I quite like the way you, uh, you capture his voice, which is the, the love, ultimate villain for me. That character. I was reminiscing yeah. the other day about, um, cause the emailing with, uh, Declan Shelby. Yeah. Cause he's got a Hulk book coming out and just maybe reminisce about the annual they let us do. Mm-hmm. Just like, just all about doom and read and, dooms uh dooms pass and yeah yeah i miss that character yeah yeah no it's an awesome and it's post uh it's got that secret wars multiverse shenanigans it's uh yeah that's that's an awesome uh annual all right uh thanks so much for your time chip this was a blast yeah, uh, people should check out afterlift as well as your other works afterlift will be available in shops uh early february i believe it is is the release date i see here and of course we'll include links in the show notes to all that fun stuff so again chip thanks so much for your time and uh, it was a yeah, pleasure thanks. talking to you yeah same here